This is Bigger Questions with your host, Robert Martin. Welcome to Bigger Questions, recorded live in Melbourne's CBD. Today's big question, honouring the Anzacs, have we gone too far? Anzac Day has become a part of our national identity. It's a time for remembrance, respect and honouring the fallen, but have we gone too far? To help us think through this question and provoke us to think more, we have Mike Rater join us. Mike is Director of the Centre for Biblical Preaching in Melbourne. He's an in-demand speaker across Australia and around the world. He's the author of the 2004 Australian Christian Book of the Year, Stirrings of the Soul, and he joins me now. Please welcome Mike Rater. Thank you, one and all. (laughs) That's right, yeah. Now, Mike, we're talking about the Anzacs today. What prompted your interest in this topic? Two things, Rob. Uh, Firstly, uh, the enormous interest in the centenary of Anzac Day yep. and the, the vast crowds that went to the various dawn services. I think 100,000 in Canberra, 80,000 in Melbourne, 30,000 in Martin Place, Sydney. Just vast crowds. And of course, the enormous media coverage. I yep. think every radio and TV station had, had someone at Anzac Cove. So just enormous interest in it. Uh, of course, it was the centenary. The other thing was, I spent the weekend in Coogee with a friend in Coogee, and Peter went down to the dawn. Coogee in Sydney. Coogee in Sydney. Right, yeah. Uh, Yes, that's right. Uh, Well, Pete went down to the dawn service. They thought they'd get 500. I think they got 5,000. But the thing that struck Peter, my friend, was uh, the speaker was a Major General, Andrew Bottrell, who said in his speech that the stories of Anzac Day have grown in their telling. So here he is conceding some of of the things we believe about Anzac Day frankly untrue. Right. Uh, Here's one of their their proponents admitting that, that it is, there's myth and there's legend there in this this story. So I thought, isn't that striking? Uh, Here's this event which has become so important to us as a nation, and yet to some degree, I wasn't sure then how much, it's founded on things that didn't happen, on legends. So I thought, well, let's, let, let's research this. So I just, over the next month or two, I just began to read more widely and w- try to work out, answer the question, why has Anzac Day, I think, almost metamorphosed from a day of remembrance into now, I think, a profoundly religious and spiritual day? And I, I think, actually, that the most important day now in the Australian calendar. Well, that's what we're going to spend yeah. the next little bit of time yeah. talking about. But to kick off bigger questions, we like to ask a couple of smaller questions. We do try to have a bit of fun on the show. And today we're talking with Mike Rater about honouring the Anzacs. And Mike, in today's quiz, I'm going to test you on the Anzac Day Clash. The Anzac Day Clash is, of course, an annual AFL football game played between Collingwood and Essendon. It's often considered the biggest match uh, in the AFL outside the finals, regularly selling out with crowds in excess of 90,000 people. Now, have you ever been along? I've to- not been along, no, uh, because I'm neither a supporter of the two the two teams of who course. regularly play. Yeah. Though a good friend of mine was there this time last year, along with, I think, 86,000 others, to watch his team smashed by the other team. Right. So he, okay. was a, he was a sad man that evening, a bomber supporter. Well, anyway, we're going to find out now how much you know about the Anzac Day Clash. Right. First question is, who has won the most Anzac Day Clashes, Collingwood or Essendon? Oh. Uh, I'm going to say Essendon. Or? Or Collingwood. Yes, <laughs> yeah, congratulations, it's Collingwood. That's, <laughs> That's right. right, Collingwood have won five more times <laughs> than Essendon. And there was actually a tie. <laughs> In the very there first you go. match. I never now, knew that. No, well, no, well, obviously. obviously. <laughs> so which brings us to question two. So what year 
did the Anzac Day clash begin? It's multiple choice. Was it A, 1965, B, 1975, C, 1985, or D, 1995? Well, I'm going to go for one of the last two. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go for 85. Or... 95. 95. <laughs> That's right. The correct answer is actually D, 1995. I'm getting warmer. I'm getting you are getting warmer. At least you were close. At least, at well, let's be frank. Right now, I feel a lot like Essendon felt <laughs> in the first half of the game. So, Mike, in our quiz, you nearly got uh, one right. <laughs> so, That's yeah, so right. Please give Mike somewhat of a, an applause. Yeah, a muted applause. <laughs> a muted a applause. Muted applause. <laughs> For being in the ballpark, so okay, to speak. As it were. Now, but we have an annual Anzac Day... Yeah football match, which is one of the biggest matches in the AFL calendar, yet it only began in 1995. Now, you, even you were... Well, I knew it was either 85 or 95, yeah. because that's when Anzac Day really rose, I think, to a day of prominence in our calendar. Yeah, so that's, that was my question. So why do you think this is? Why has it taken 80 years before we have an Anzac Day football match? Well, um, it's, it's, as I, I read the history, in the 50s, it was... Uh, well, Anzac Cove was deserted. Nobody went to Anzac Cove. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 60s actually was a time of cynicism because uh, that was the time of the, the great youth revolution. Uh, um, there was a play written back then uh, by Alan Seymour called The One Day of the Year, which was really a, a, an attack on Anzac Day. It was, just, it was just a grog on for RSL people, uh, very cynical. But by the 80s, things began to change. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the media played a part. For example, I remember being uh, in the cinema in the 80s watching that film by Peter Weir Gallipoli. Mm-hmm. A great film, and I recall being there. And the, the, if, you, if you've seen the film, the final freeze frame where Mark Lee is running to his death, and there the film ends. And I remember being in the cinema, and when the film ended, ended with that, that shot, nobody moved. We just sat there, this kind of hushed silence, as as we were impacted by what happened at Gallipoli. So that, that film had a big impact. Channel Nine had a series at the same time called The Anzacs. Mm-hmm. So there's now me, media attention on on Anzac Day. And then but it really began to achieve prominence under the prime ministership of John Howard. Right. And he, well, a cynic would say he used it to justify or promote the Gulf War. But, but I think, well, he did, actually. But I think he sincerely believed in the importance of Anzac Day. And under, under his government, over those next 10, 15 years, it grew and grew to a day now of, of great significance. Well, interestingly, the Essendon Football Club website says about the game, the Anzac Day clash... It says, with a general resurgence in interest in the Anzac legend, the game has taken on significance and symbolism not matched by any other game in the national sporting calendar. So what significance and symbolism do you think that they feel that Anzac has taken on? I didn't, I didn't watch that game, but I did watch the NRL game between the Sharks and the Panthers, and they had a similar, a shorter Anzac ceremony before the game. And the commentator said, this is the most important weekend of the year. Not, not Christmas, not Easter, not Australia Day. But Anzac Day is the most important weekend of the year. And friends of mine who went to the game said when, you, when they had the ceremony before the game, 86,000 people, and you could have heard a pin drop. There were no hecklers, no people swilling their beer. Everyone stood there in respectful silence. So uh, uh, we've just seen this day emerge now. Uh, it is a holiday, I think, in the old sense of the word. Of course, holiday was holy day. Easter was the holy day. Now it's just... A holiday it's a day off but i think anzac day is now not just a holiday it is i think it's our holy day a day of respectful silence for those who gave their lives and it's also it's our distinctly australian day we have australia day but 
That's becoming, for some, almost a, a day of shame. Not a day of discovery, a day of invasion. So there's an ambiguity to, to Australia Day, but not with the Anzacs. There's, there's perceived to be no ambiguity there. Here are men who fought and gave their lives for, for all that we cherish and all that makes us distinctly Australian. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned before about your research trying to distill myth from fact. What was the result of your inquiry? What, tell us the facts about... The oh, well, uh, we know the facts. The facts... Uh, uh, the British and French and Aussies and New Zealanders landed at Anzac Cove on April 25th, 1915, uh, fought for eight months against the Turks to, to capture the Dardanelles and, in fact, in Churchill's mind, to capture Constantinople. It was the invasion of Turkey. Uh, they lost uh, the Anzacs, uh, the Aussies, 7,500 men. Uh, another 18,000 went missing in action before finally, eight months later, they were evacuated in January of 1916. Mm -hmm. um, so, so it was, a, it was a, as we know, a, a military disaster, but it's perceived that on, on, on the beaches of Anzac Cove, Aussies proved their mettle as soldiers. They fought alongside the others, they showed bravery, courage, self-sacrifice, and there we, yeah, we showed the kind of people we were as Australians, men and, and women, many men, prepared to give their lives for their fellow countrymen and for their country. A question has just come in, which just goes back to the previous point, but we'll just feed it in now. About the silence mm. that people experienced or were part of in the Anzac Day clash, isn't the respectful silence a good thing? Oh, yes, I'm not being critical. Yes, uh, you, don't want, you don't want to heckle a day that remembers the death of men and women. And not just, of course, in World War I, the wars that have been fought throughout the century. So this is, a, this is a, 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 an appropriate remembrance of those who gave their lives. And it'd be highly inappropriate not to be respectfully silent. Now, what about some of the characters of Anzac Day, though? Simpson and his donkey, an enduring symbol of the diggers, who is, as the National War Memorial suggests, is Australia's most famous soldier. That's the really interesting one. Yeah. Uh, he's been on our banknotes. He's, he he symbolises all that Anzac Day stands for. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a, a tribunal set up by the government a few years ago to see whether Simpson should be awarded the VC, which is our highest award, posthumously. Mm -hmm. They researched his life for a year and recommended that he not be given the VC. Mm -hmm. Why was that? Uh, because they could find no distinctive act of bravery that, that set him apart. He was a stretcher bearer. He was actually a deserter from the British Army. Ended up on an Aussie ship, I think, landed at Anzac Cove. He, he, he lived for 24 days. He was killed taking a, uh, another, a wounded soldier back to the, the Aussie lines. Uh, but as they did research, they could find no evidence of any life he saved. He was just, there was nothing about him which was distinctive from any other, a thousand other stretcher bearers. So why has he become an enduring symbol? Well, it seems uh, somehow he, the media after Anzac Day got onto him and just began to tell these stories about his bravery. And it's, it's, built, it's built on myths and fabrications and lies. Right. And Les Cargan, in his biography, says, and over time, uh, Simpson's been beatified and then canonised. He's become Saint Simpson. Mm. He symbolises all that we believe in an Anzac Day, but it's just not true. He was an ordinary soldier of no particular distinction. Now, that doesn't mean, of course, others were like that, but Simpson, who's become the emblem of Anzac Day, was a... Ordinary soldier. An ordinary soldier. Of, Just of doing no, his I've noticed job. Of no particular distinction. Mm -hmm. Now, the Collingwood website describes the Anzac Day football match as a match that pays tribute to the sacrifice of the servicemen and women of Australia and celebrates the Anzac spirit, mm. courage, sacrifice, endurance and mateship. Yeah. So what did the diggers demonstrate? 
at Gallipoli. Well, that very thing. I think they, they showed that their willingness in the face of overwhelming odds to, in particular, to give their lives for for their, their mates, but also for their country. I think they believed uh, they're, they're fighting a just cause for, for freedom, for Australian values, and they're prepared uh, to give their lives for that. And that's what we, we honour at Anzac Day. Is that one of the reasons that it's become so significant, do you think? Because those values, in many ways, uh, encapture the values that we hold dear today? I think we're a nation in search of an identity. What, mm-hmm. what makes us distinctly Australian? And we, see, we found that, we think, in the Anzacs who represent uh, mateship, somewhat disrespect for authority, mm. a sense of humour. Larrikinism. Larrikinism, a commitment to each other. These things which are distinctly Australian are mm. seen in the Anzacs. It's interesting, I, I, I read this this week about the War Memorial in Canberra and the stained glass windows there. Isn't that striking? You think of a stained glass window, you think of a church or a cathedral. Mm. There's the stained glass windows and there are 15 panels in the windows, not containing, of course, Jesus and the apostles, St. John, St. Peter, but 15 soldiers, nurses, uh, stretcher bearers, airmen, infantrymen, and each one represents a value, endurance, coolness under adversity. Uh, or, not coolness. Or, not, not, not being cool, right, okay. but the word is coolness, that, that is just calmness, calmness in the face of adversity, mm. endurance, and all, all 15 different values, mm. which uh, are values we hold dear as Australians, which we find symbolised in the Anzac. So I think we find our identity as Australians in what happened at Anzac Coast. Well, Tony Abbott said last year that the Gallipoli landing was, an in, was in an important sense, the birth of our nation. Mm. Here's my... As I thought about this, here's my contention, Rob. Uh, I think since dispensing with Christianity as our national religion, and we have by and large, we are a nation now in search of a soul, mm-hmm. in search of a faith, something which, well, gives us our, where we came from, our origins, explains our, how we came to be, that gives us values. Is this one of the reasons that uh, criticism, therefore, of Anzac Day becomes controversial? So hence last year, SBS reporter Scott McIntyre suffered the ire of the nation after a series of inappropriate and disrespectful tweets criticising the Anzacs. He was sacked from his job. Was it right to sack him? I was in Rwanda last week, actually, Rob, and I went there to the the genocide memorial. And we all remember the genocide in Rwanda. And the nation there knows it can only go forward as a nation as it acknowledges its past. Um, Same with us, with with our indigenous people. We, we can only go forward as we acknowledge the, the, both the virtues and the vices of what happened in the past. And the same with the Anzacs. Uh, there's no merit, I think, in covering over or pretending it was simply virtuous. There's no merit in that. Or we can't go forward. We have to be honest about the Anzacs, the good and the bad. So I think Scott, in saying these things, was saying what was true. And we need truth. And we can go forward in truth. His timing, I thought was not the best. His timing was unwise. He's done it provocatively, that's, of course. Exactly. That's a day to rightly remember the sacrifice of men and women for wars. That's not a day to highlight the, the vices of a few. So I think his timing was wrong. Uh, it was, was foolish and, as you say, provocative. But what he said needed to be said. So he should have made the criticisms perhaps at a different time. I think so, yes. Uh, was it right to not, say? Not just to save his job. But again, I think a nation must be built on truth. As I said, we see that with the whole issue with the indigenous people. Uh, we want to be, be honest about, about what happened in the past, what was done to them. When we're honest and acknowledge that, 
we can go forward. If we if all we believe is built on myth and legend and cover up and silence, then we can't go forward. Now, there are obviously, as you've alluded to before, religious imagery in the Anzac mm. memorials. People go to pilgrimages mm. to Gallipoli. The Shrine of Remembrance says we're standing on holy ground and services are conducted at the War Memorial and the Shrine of Remembrance. Mm. So why this religious Yes, imagery? it's striking as I read... Uh, accounts of people who went to Anzac Cove. Someone said, uh, in Istanbul, I was a tourist. When I got to Anzac Cove, I was a pilgrim. And they describe it as being a profoundly spiritual experience. They say, like going to church. Mm. They talk about their sense of unity. Here we are, people of different backgrounds as Australians, but there we forget we're an an Italian-Australian or even a Turkish-Australian. We are Australian together as one. And we have our values shaped for us there. And we have our faith, our heroes, the men and women to believe in, to, to model our lives upon, to shape our lives upon. So it has all the trappings, I think, of, of a religion. And the language they use is of a spiritual encounter. But for some, the religious significance, if you want to use that term, for Anzac Day is somewhat token. So mm. for many, it is just a public holiday, a day to go to the beach or have a barbecue mm. or something. Yeah. So... Maybe, but maybe, I think, maybe it's the way some people treat religion as well, as somewhat token. Hmm. But to what extent... But is I, there, think, is there it's, I think it's being presented in the media as more than that, the terms the media uses, and just the prominence given to it. Mm. Uh, and the fact that 85,000 people sit yes, or stand uh, in absolute silence. That's right. Yeah. There are nominal believers of every religion, uh, every faith, and there are nominal believers at Anzac Day, of course. But the language used nowadays has, has gone beyond, has transcended the language of remembrance to something else. Now, the Shrine of Remembrance has a memorial with the words, Greater love hath no man. So what's the significance of this? Well, it's a quote, of course, from, from John 15 and on the lips of Jesus in the Bible, uh, making the point that uh, what higher moral virtue is there than to give the thing most precious to you, which is your life, for someone you care about. And Jesus said that, uh, we all agree with that, and it's become, appropriately, the, 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 the verse used to describe what happened on Anzac Day. Mm. So I think it is an appropriate verse to have at a memorial. So could you say this is at the heart of the Anzac spirit? Perhaps? I think so. That's, that's the thing we remember and the thing we cherish and the thing we rightly esteem them for. They're giving their lives. And it's, um, I, I, read a, I, did, I heard a TED Talk, if you know TED Talks last year, on why veterans miss war. Here's an American veteran saying he misses all, everything about Afghanistan, not the carnage. But what he meant was, and this transcends friendship. This is the bond between brothers. Men and women, but mainly men, prepared to give their lives for their friends. And he says it's, the feeling, he says, is inexplicable. And you, you come back home and there's nothing like that here. But there's this bond, this, this commitment to each other where you're prepared to die for your friends uh, is a remarkable thing. And that's what we, we honour at Anzac Day. Today's big question is, honouring the Anzacs, have we gone too far? And the Bible offers an answer in the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John is one of the four biographies of Jesus' life that we have. And in chapter 15, Jesus says to some of his followers, My command is this, Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. What so what does Jesus mean here? Well, he said that. He wasn't just giving us a, a moral to live by. In the context is he's saying to them, I am about to die for you. That's, 
That's the context. He's really talking about himself and what will happen in the next 12, 24 hours. Mm. He's about to go to the cross. Uh, well, as we'll see in a moment, not just for his friends. Yeah. To go to the cross and, and give his life there for those he loves uh, to truly set them free from the bondage, uh, not of just some foreign power, but the, the bondage of sin and death and the evil one to give to truly set them free and to give them something, of course, Anzac Day can't give us, which is a real hope for the future and into eternity. Mm. So how is this? So this is similar in some ways to that digger's sacrifice of oh, giving a life? Well, it, it is in a small way, but right. it, it transcends that eternally. Um, so it had a significance far beyond uh, a short-lived military campaign. But is it appropriate then to have greater love hath no man in a military memorial? I, I think it is. I, while our Lord is speaking of the events of his own life, he's still making a point that's a, that's a true point, that uh, what better love can you show for somebody else than to give to them that which is most precious to you, which is your life. Mm. So I, I have no problem with having that on a, on a monument in a memorial. In the memorial. Of, yes. of remembrance. Yeah. Now, a key distinctive, though, of the mm. sacrifice of Jesus is not that he lays down his life for his friends or his followers, but something that's found in another part of the Bible. The early Christian leader, the Apostle Paul, writes a letter to the Romans. And in Romans chapter 5, he says, You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners... Christ died for us. So how then is the sacrifice of Jesus different to the sacrifice Well, it's, it's different, I think, Rob, in two ways. Um, I guess if there was an analogy, it would be the story of, a, of an Anzac, a digger, giving his life for a Turk. That would be striking. Mm. Uh, and Paul says Jesus gave his life for those who hated him, for those who ignored him, for those who despised him, for those who spat upon him, for his enemies. And then goes on to say, which means us. We are by nature enemies of God. We, we, we give little thought to God, and yet Christ gave his life for us, for those who did not see him worth even thinking about. The other thing is, Rob, he didn't give his life in an act of war. He didn't, raise, he didn't give his life by raising a weapon. Yep. He, he wasn't fighting a war in that sense. Uh, he died in peace, as it were. He, he gave himself sacrificially, not in the cause of destroying the enemy. There's no war there. He died at a cross. But he died there out of love for humanity that we might be set free and know, know the God who made us. Mm. So he died for, yes, his friends, his disciples, but more than that, his enemies. Yeah? From the cross he prayed, Father, forgive them, the very ones who were killing him. He, he died for them. And he died not as part of some battle on a beach, he died, uh, in that sense, uh, without raising a hand against those who despised him. Mm. Or he raised his hand on a cross. He right? raised his hand on a cross, Which yes, is a bit different. Yeah. Yeah. Now, we suggest that, as you mentioned before, you suggested that the Anzac legend has become a, somewhat of a fabricated myth. Yet someone claimed that the Gospels and the stories of Jesus are the result of the same process as the myth of the Anzac. You know, some history mm. added to embellishment and modification, and you end up with this mm. great myth. Mm. Why are the Gospels and the stories of Jesus different? Well, I think three things. First of all, you have four Gospels. So you have four accounts of the life of Christ, and you can examine the four accounts. Uh, what you have with the four Gospels, of course, is not any kind of embellishment. In fact, all, most of the characters are 
far from impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people with Jesus, his, his diggers, as it were, were profoundly flawed men, and the Gospels don't cover up their flaws. There's mm. no John Simpson no, no, and the donkey in the Gospels. Mm. Peter, James, John, there the disciples, a there is a donkey. But even the donkey <laughs> is profa- profoundly flawed. No, <laughs> it, should be a, it should be a mighty... mighty but, a, a, but, but the characters there, they're real people, uh, flaws and all. Yeah. Uh, and of course, the other thing that strikes you as you read the Gospels, especially John, is the emphasis they put on truth. John says again and again, uh, I, I witnessed this, I saw this, I'm not lying, this is the truth. So for the Gospel writers, truth is a premium, and it matters. I think for Anzac Day, it doesn't matter. This is the point of that Major General. Yes, the story's grown in the telling, yes, that there are myths and legends, but it doesn't matter, we can still celebrate Anzac Day. Mm-hmm. The Gospels say, truth does matter. In Paul's words, if Christ didn't rise from the dead, we are still in our sins, and of all people are most to be pitied. Truth matters. If the gospel accounts aren't true, let's pack up our churches and go home. It's mm. all, all a waste. But so, the, so the gospels put the high premium on truth, that these things happened, you can believe them, you can stake your life on them, and find eternal life. So what does Jesus offer that the Anzac legend doesn't? I think he offers... The true creation story. You know, Tony Abbott said, well, you know, we were born as a nation on the beaches of Anzac Cove. No, we have a true creation story. God made us in his image to live with him forever. We have, I think, uh, true values, a true way to live. God, our maker, has designed how we should live, and we, we, we can live a life of, of joy and freedom following his values. We have there a true faith that binds us together. Uh, the picture of the Bible of the last day is men and women from every tribe, nation, and tongue gathered around God. It's, it's the one faith that binds together every people, young, old, black, white, male, female, from all nations. Mm. And it gives us a, tr- a true hero to believe in. Mm. Jesus, the Son of God, the perfect man, man and God, someone you can really entrust your life to and not be ashamed that the truth will come out about him. So, Mike, honoring the Anzacs? Have we gone too far? Well, yes, I want to say let's honor them. Let's keep doing that. Let's remember their sacrifice. Remember they were flawed men. But it seems to me we have in all of us as human beings a a, a God-shaped hole in our hearts that we need to fill. It's meant to be filled by the true God. Any other attempt to fill it with something else will ultimately fail. If your faith is in the Anzacs, and Anzac Day becomes your holy day, in the end, it'll let you down. It can't give you life, an eternal life. Mm. So yes, let's honor them, but let's, I, I think in a sense, by making them more than they were, we do dishonor their, their memory. They didn't claim to be perfect men. They weren't saviors of the world. Ordinary men and women who gave their lives, let's pause and re- remember that, but turn to the true God to find all that he has for us in Jesus Christ. Let me leave you with the Bible's answer to this week's big question from Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I look forward to you joining us next time for Bigger Questions. Please thank our guest today, Mike Rater. Thanks for listening to Bigger Questions. If you want to be part of the live audience or subscribe to the podcast, go to biggerquestions.org.